Who is God? What is his character? What is his personality? Start with a blank canvas and paint the image in your mind. Do you call on him only when you need something? When you want something? Is he your personal Santa Claus? Or maybe he's there watching you all day, happy at your every move, thrilled with the progress you make, like a father doting on you with unconditional love. Is he by the book, ready to pound the gavel, like a judge, ready to punish every rule you break? Did he paint the oceans and the skies and then leave his creation alone to watch from a distance? Start with a blank canvas. Let's take a look at the God of the Bible, the real God, the one who spoke life into the universe and put his fingerprints all over creation. Well, good morning, everyone. Like Ben said, we're really glad that you guys are here to uh, worship with us uh, this morning. We're continuing a uh, week two of everything, uh, which we're looking at uh, the character of God and uh, who he is and why does that matter for life. And uh, wanted to kind of jump in. We're going to be talking about the power of God uh, today. And last week we talked about the love of God. And one of the things that we're going to be doing in this series is looking at how God and his character can be fully one characteristic and fully another and actually many different characteristics and fully be those things at the same time. And it's kind of perplexing and we're only going to be here for a short time. And so you're not going to leave here with this full understanding of who God is completely uh, because you can't really even nail that down, even if you spent every minute of your whole life trying to figure him out. Yet he can be known. And so what we're doing is in this series is really looking at uh, who is the God of the Bible? What has been revealed to us? And why does that matter? Why does that help us? Um, what can that mean for, for our lives and the different facets uh, of our lives? And so just as a way of review, I wanted to kind of bring you guys up to speed on what we covered last week as we looked at the, the love of God. And we actually talked about how God is he's the source of love. He is love. And uh, we talked about some characteristics related to that, that, that he's a giving. That's one of his ways that he loves us. He gives to us. Uh, he's forgiving. Uh, despite the fact that we've missed the mark, despite the fact that we've made bad choices, he actually forgives us for that. Uh, his love is, is without malice. He doesn't have evil intent as he relates to us. He actually is good. He's fully good. He's all good. And his love is, is unfailing. Uh, there's nothing that... God can't do with his love. It doesn't fail him. It doesn't fail us. And we talked about last week, this kind of love is something that we all strive for. We all long to experience it. We all long to actually give this kind of love. But we really can't experience this fully. And we can't really give this kind of love outside of God himself. Because, again, he is the source of this love. And so today, we're going to be talking about power. God's power. His his omnipotence is a fancy word for that. It's this idea of he's all powerful. And as you look at his power and you look at his love, many times you try to figure out how, how does that, that work together? And we're going to kind of unpack that a little bit and look at how actually him being all loving and him being all powerful is actually tremendous news for us. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at that and again, looking at why this all matters for our life. But I wanted to kind of just take a look at what the scriptures have to say 
about the power of, of God. What, what do the scriptures say? And, and it starts off with this idea as you dig into the scriptures, as you look at how God's interacted with people throughout history, as you look at how God interacts with people today, there's this, this idea in scripture that, that he is all powerful. There's not a facet of God that has weakness. His power is complete and it is full. Uh, Romans 1 says this about him. For what can be known about God is plain to them. That's talking about us. We're the them there. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. And so there's this idea. What we're talking about right now is the invisible attributes of God. We're not talking about necessarily what he looks like, but really his nature, his essence, the things that we cannot see, but as the scriptures say, can actually be clearly known. And even that is something that we wrestle with. How can we fully know something, but at the same time not see it? We talk a lot about there's this tendency that we have. We want to be able to believe and know something only that we can see. But the things that we're talking about, these actually can't be seen, but we can know them. We can experience them. We can dig into the scriptures and find out that they're true. And what this is saying is this idea of power, it's eternal. God has always been completely powerful. From the beginning of time to the end of time, his power is the same. Like us, we don't, we tend to grow in strength. You know, we're young, we're dependent, and obviously and hopefully we become adults and we become independent. We become strong enough to support ourselves. We become strong enough to do what we need to do in life. Well, God, there's not a part in which he was ever dependent on anyone. He's not had to grow in strength. That's what makes it eternal. It has always existed to the max degree of all power. It has not grown. There's nothing he's done to kind of soup up his strength. His strength has always been complete from the beginning of time to the end of time. And you see this. Have you ever encountered something in creation that you think like, wow, what power? This has happened to me as I've been to the Grand Canyon. Anyone, raise your hand. Have you ever been to the Grand Canyon before? If you haven't been to the Grand Canyon, I encourage you to do that. It's pretty amazing. Depending on what the age of your kids, your kids may be like, oh, it's a hole in the ground. Like, can we go to the mall? But when they get older and they can appreciate things like nature and just the beauty of it, you you can see something that just you look and you say, well, something had to have done this. Uh, There's actually a a Time Magazine article you'll see on the screen. Uh, The title of it, this is in a psychology magazine. It says, um, why there are no atheists at the Grand Canyon. And the idea is, and this article is just talking about the, the sense of awe that you get as you look at nature, specifically Things like the Grand Canyon, specifically just the beauty of the earth, you get this overwhelming sense of there's this awe. And this awe leads us to wonder, how did this exist? How did this happen? And there's this sense of there's something going on where there there seems like there's purpose to this. There's thought that's been put in this because my reaction is something where I, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to say. It's just it's awe inspiring. And creation itself is a way that we can see the power of God. Now, he's outside of nature. He's bigger than nature, but as he has created, 
as the artist that he is, as the all-powerful God, we can see nature. And the scriptures are saying there's this point of us which we should see that there is something going on. There is something bigger than ourselves that has brought something into existence that couldn't exist without somebody doing that. And the scriptures lead us to discovering that this is God. This didn't happen by chance. This didn't happen by accident. It was God himself who purposed it out of his eternal power. A Revelation 1.8 speaks to this as well. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is God talking. And he's saying that, that I, I am the beginning and I am the end. Again, there's nothing that has existed before me. Now that, that takes power. Because anything that's dependent doesn't have complete power. Because you're dependent on something else. And so the scripture is saying that he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. He, he's the end, says the Lord God. Who is and who was and who is to come. And then the second, those two words right after that. The Almighty. See, there you see it again. The power of God. Who always has been. Who always will be. The Almighty. You see this. Okay, here's the powerful God. A God of great strength. From beginning to end, He has ruled and He will rule in His power. There's a quote that spoke to this idea of the power that we, we can't really fathom because all of us have power that's dependent on something. There's not this independent power that we can really know as, as humans. R.C. Sproul wrote, wrote this about this kind of power. He says, No artist can speak to his paint and create the Mona Lisa. Right? Can an artist say, Make a mountain. And all of a sudden on the canvas there's this beautiful mountain. Even that dude with the afro on cable, right? He was good, but he actually had to move his hand and have paint on the brush, right? So can any artist speak a masterpiece just by his words? A sculptor would be called a lunatic for standing in front of a mountain and commanding it to turn into Mount Rushmore. Right? Human beings cannot change the course of nature or bring things into existence by sheer talk, but God can. His voice is almighty. If you've never read the first book in the Bible, Genesis, that's the account of creation. It's pretty amazing because God says, let it be. And it is. He calls it into existence. And it is. It's amazing. Just by his sheer voice, things happen. We have to work at it. We have to actually get the chisel, get the hammer, and sculpt something out of rock, and it's hard work. And it's amazing beauty that can be done by that. But it doesn't compare to the power of God who can speak it into existence. This is the kind of power we're talking about. It doesn't even hardly make sense to us. But it's always been, because God has always been, and this power is complete, that even His voice commands things into existence. Which, which didn't exist. Now, the good news by this is that this actually flows out of his character because if you're like me, you think about this idea of God being all-powerful and you can spend a lot of time thinking, you know, does, does God, like, does he care? Like, if that's true, like, he has the, all the power in the world and he always has, why does it, why doesn't he just crush us? Why, why, why is he concerned or is he concerned or is he there? Is he distant? Is he seeing what's going on? And that's why... 
knowing his complete character is so important because the fact that he is all loving and all powerful gives us hope. His love actually has boundaries for his power because all his character is all at the same time. And we we can't even really understand that, but all loving and all power. Well, there's certain things that he limits himself, his power because he's all loving. That should give tremendous hope for us. Now, if you're like me, if you've ever been like with an authority figure, someone that you thought had great power, maybe it was your parents, maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a teacher, you think when it comes to them jacking your life, you want them to limit their power. Please don't make us run another lap. Please don't make us do that assignment. Please don't make us do this, do that, clean my room. I've already done that. When it comes to how they impact us by what we have to do for them, we want them to limit their power. Right? But when it comes to them helping us, we want them to unleash their power. Please give me that. I need your help. And as we approach God, what you see is in His love, that's the way that He actually uses His power to accomplish His will and His purposes. And at the same time, fits within the fact that He loves us. And so there's these boundaries. Not because God has boundaries, but because He is who He is, the different facets of Him at the same time. I want to show a little clip that talks about God's power and and how it works with His love. It's from uh, the case for faith, which is kind of looking at, can God be known and and what impact does that have on us? Uh, Which is actually uh, linked to... The, uh, the free book that we're giving away. So if you've never read that and you're a guest, check that out. But let's check out this clip which talks about kind of who God is and the boundaries of that. To understand the biblical view of evil and suffering, we must first consider an apparent contradiction in five core beliefs of Judeo-Christian theology. God exists. God is all good. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. And there is evil in the world. It appears that there's a conflict between uh, God's goodness and God's power. If he was good, he'd want to get rid of all evil in the world. And if he is powerful, he'd be able to. But evil exists, and therefore he's either not good or he's not powerful. There's a lot of confusion about what it means to say God is all-powerful. Many people think that means God can do anything. But the Bible is very clear that there are a lot of things God can't do. For example, the Bible teaches that God cannot swear by a name greater than himself. The Bible teaches that God cannot lie. It isn't that God just chooses not to lie. It's that he can't lie. C.S. Lewis once said, can a mortal ask questions that God finds unanswerable? And he said, yeah, quite easily. Um, Is yellow square or round? And how many hours are there in a mile? And uh, if you extend that a bit, yes, God can't make a square circle. So there are all sorts of things that God can't do because they'd be illogical or nonsensical. So when we talk about God being omnipotent, what we mean is God can do anything power can do. But we don't mean God can violate the laws of logic and do something contradictory. All that to say, don't freak out. Well, maybe a little. 
because he's still God and there's still certain boundaries. But there's certain things like it says that he, he does what power will do, but he, he won't do what power doesn't do. And so there's this these limits out of his character that he has set. And he's designed this. We didn't really discover this and think, well, this is how God is. And so, again, he fits in this box. He doesn't necessarily fit in the box that we've created. But as you dig into the scriptures, that's why reading your Bible is so important, because you discover who he is as he's revealed. And so as you dig into the scriptures, there's there is a sense that this is like an autobiography of God and you you can discover things about him. That's why it's very important to, to read it. So knowing this power connected to his love is, is very crucial because it actually gives us a picture of not just a God who is this and we can know it and it's like fun facts that you can use in your life, but it's actually that he is all powerful, he is all loving, and this actually can make a difference in our life. It actually impacts our life. And as you dig in the scripture, you find some other things about God's power and our own responsibility and our own interactions with him. Um, the good news is, as you dig into the scriptures, you find this, that God uses his power for those who give their lives to him. And so there's this direct correlation to God's power and really our response to him, our reaction and our steps that we take as we relate to this almighty God. So that's where we have to kind of challenge our mind a little bit. This almighty God who can do greater things than we can, who can speak things into existence that we cannot do, actually wants to have a relationship with us. Think about that. The almighty God wants to relate to us. In fact, he wants to use his power for those who do his will, that want to do life his way. So there you get a different picture. There's actually this part where we can cooperate with God and the power that God has can be used even through our lives and the way that we live. This is where you see this connection which changes and impacts all of life. In the Old Testament, you see stories and pictures of these events that God did as he interacted with people. One in particular that you may have heard of is, is how the, the Israelites left Egypt and they were fleeing Pharaoh and the Egyptian army and they're up against the Red Sea. And they're thinking, well, we can't really swim across this and get through. This isn't going to work. And so God in his power used Moses and the Red Sea was divided and they were able to walk through on dry land. When you think that, you're like, that's awesome. The sea was split. And you, you know, you're fired up about the power of God. And you're like, I want that in my life. I want that power to overcome the different things that I face. But then oftentimes we find, well, where, where is that power? And we find ourselves just kind of like just thumbing around, just trying to figure it out. And it's like vanished, it seems. And even the Israelites experienced this, this power that they saw in God himself interacting and making things happen that couldn't happen without him. And they forgot about his power and they kind of decided to do things their own way on their own power. What began to happen is they were no longer really seeing and experiencing the power of God in a real way. And they were concerned, like, where is where is God? Where are you now? I need you. 
And there's this continual interaction of people who've had the power of God as they've looked to him. Then think, you know what? I can do this on my own and no longer look to him. And they, they, they don't have this power at their disposal. And they're like, where are you, God? Where are you? And there's a description of kind of what's happening. Isaiah 59 says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. So this is where you begin to see it's so important to look to God. It's so important to want to know the Almighty God, who's all-loving, what does He think about the life I should live? What does He think about the choices that I make on a daily basis? What does He think about the priorities that are important for all of humans? What does He think? What's important to Him? What's good? What's evil? All these questions become very important when we realize that this Almighty God is looking for those that fear him and want to do life his way. And the scripture is just describing. At times we think like uh, he's all powerful, but this one instance, he wasn't. His resources must have ran out or he must have not have seen or his strength must have gotten just a little weary there. Know that there's no point in which that happens. But you see this link between them looking to him or them trying to do things by themselves. And here's just a really important principle. In truth that you find faith is the gateway for God's power. Faith. Trusting that his way is the right way. Taking him seriously enough to actually do what he says. When you read the scriptures and you find what's important to God, you, you want to take him at his word. That's faith. Doing life his way. That's faith. Trusting him when you kind of want to rely on your own power. That's faith. And as you look to him and as you obey God and as you want to do life his way, the Almighty, he helps. He gives you the power to do what he has asked you to do. That's tremendous hope that we have in life. Cooperating with God is so crucial because we have the power to accomplish what he wants us to. I don't know about you, but there's many times where I just feel like my wheels are spinning. And what I want to see happen, it's not happening. And I have to take a step back and say, wait a second, what's going on here? Am I relying on the Almighty or am I relying on myself? And many times I have to take a look and say, you know what? At one instance, I just decided I needed to do it my own way. I need to rely on my own strategy. So in faith, I have to turn back and say, God, you know what? I was trying to do that by myself. I was trying to do that on my own terms, with my own timing. For, forgive me for that. I, I want to do this your way. And again and again, that's the picture of what we have to do. Continually and continually kind of turn away from our own strategies and look to God for help, who is all-powerful. And here, here's, here's the promise that we find in Isaiah 59. This is the picture of the difference that Jesus makes. And a Redeemer will come to Zion and those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. 
That's the Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Where we have that divide where we're just, I want the power of God, but at the same time I want to do what I want to do. I want the power of God, but I really want to do things my own way. Jesus comes to redeem us, to actually show us how we can do life God's way and have the power to do life the way he wants. It's through Jesus. And as the promised redeemer, here's a couple things. His unfailing love is displayed on the cross where he died for our sins. So Jesus, again, is the picture of this power and love. And then his absolute power is displayed through the resurrection. So as we look to Jesus as the Redeemer, again you see the power of God and the love of God working for our behalf. The love that our sin and our lack of power isn't held against us. God didn't put us on this earth and left so that we would just try to figure it out ourselves. So we're hopeless. So we're just trying to figure, well, I've got to make this work. If I could just pull all my resources, if people just cooperate with what I'm trying to do, it's going to work. No, through Jesus. He linked us back to the Almighty. And then the power was displayed that death could not conquer. So through the resurrection of Jesus, we see the Almighty power of God. Death could not overcome. Instead, God overcame death. That's the power of the Almighty God. And that's the power that we actually rest on and we rely on. It's going to be a battle for the rest of our lives to continue to trust that that power is what we need opposed to our own strategies where we try to just get enough power ourselves. So why, why does this matter in our life? Knowing the power of God, why, why does that actually make a difference? Well, we can rely on God to help with our greatest challenges. If this power is real, then is there a challenge that we face that God cannot help us with? Is there something that we're going to encounter that's out of God's league? I know there's things I'm going to encounter that are out of my league, but is there anything that I'm going to encounter in my life related to my family, related to my work, related to a problem, related to a circumstance, related to the unknown that's out of God's league? If you look at the scriptures, if his power is real, then no, there's nothing that I face that God cannot handle. In fact, he knew it. He knew it was going to happen, which we're going to talk about next week. But there's nothing out of God's league. There's nothing out of which he cannot help me. And he can help me with the greatest challenges I face. Yesterday I was sitting, drinking my coffee, kind of enjoying my morning, reading my newspaper. And my son, who's two, he had like some apples that I'd sliced for him and he had the iPad, and you think that's a dangerous combination, and it actually really is an iPad and sliced apples. But what he was trying to do was he was trying to pick up his iPad, which kind of at his age he needs to have with two hands. Actually, he's like, two hands on that, come on, two hands. Get a little nervous with the iPad. But at the same time, he wanted to carry his apples, which is a little container. And he's standing there, and he's picking up his, the iPad, and he's picking up the apples, and he, he cannot walk. Because as he's doing that, the the apples are slipping, the iPad's slipping, and he's putting one down, he picks the other one up, then he tries to pick the other one, he keeps moving, and he can't do it. He cannot move forward. And so part of me is like, it's kind of funny, 
you know. I'm like trying not to laugh, but I'm just watching. I'm just going to see like what, what is going to happen. Like, will he ask for help? Because that's what we've been trying to, you know, if you need help, you can ask for help. And he's just like, I can't do it. And he's just so frustrated and the iPad keeps like slipping down and, and, and he's just getting so frustrated. So I said, buddy, because he wanted to get to the couch. Buddy, put the iPad down, take the apples, put the, iPad, the apples on the couch, come back, get the iPad and take it to the couch. It was like that. Why would I do that? Right? Why would I have two trips? His power was totally limited. He couldn't do it. And his progress, he just kept taking one step and it kept on falling. It kept on falling. And finally, he figured it out. I just can't do both at the same time. Now, if I wasn't enjoying my coffee newspaper, I could have gotten up to help him. But my power was limited at that same time as well. As I'm telling you this, I'm thinking, what? That was, you know, poor guy struggling. I'm just like, this is a great lesson tomorrow for church. Man's power, limited. But I just thought of that. It's, it's, that's the strategy. I'm going to carry both at the same time. Actually, you can't carry both at the same time. I'm going to carry both at the same time. How does it go? Well, it doesn't. You can't get to the couch. You can't make the progress. And it's the same with these man-made strategies. And what God's saying is, I'm the Almighty. You want to make progress. You want to take the steps forward. I'm here. I'm here to help you reach the goals that I have for your life. I'm here to help you accomplish the purpose I have for your life. But it means you actually may have to cooperate. You can't do it your way. It doesn't work. Just as my son learned, his strategy did not work. And some of our, our strategies that we, we try to come up with to create our own power are this. We, we try to control others to get what we want or what we think is best. We think, you know what, my power may be limited, but if everyone does what I want them to do, I can actually use it to leverage the situation. We find that at work. I can get enough power to get my project done on time as long as there's no snags with the people I'm working with. My power will work. We're in the family. You have a goal where if we have enough strength, we can get to this destination when we want it, whether it's related to our finances, whether that's related to just getting out of the house on time. As long as we use our power, it's going to work as long as everyone does what we want them to do. That's one of the strategies we have when we're lacking power. We just try to control the people in our life. Let me ask you this. Do people want to be controlled by your power? No. Do you want to be controlled by someone's power? No. Great TV shows are written about that dichotomy all the time. They're called comedies. A bunch of people trying to control each other. And it's hilarious because it doesn't work. But in life, it's not funny. In life, we get irritated. Stop trying to control me or the person controlling. Why can't I control you? Because it doesn't work. You don't have enough power. And even if you did, relationships don't last over time. Second strategy, in worry and anxiety, we try to figure it out ourselves. You ever been worried about something? You don't even realize you're worried about it, but you're like, you're not sleeping well at night. And you're like, you're in the car, people are talking to you, and you're just not even listening to what's going on. You're not even seeing the exits. You're just driving, you get to your destination. All of a sudden you realize, like, I'm totally worried and anxious about this. And I'm just... 
not sure what to do. And so this worry and anxiety, at least it's something I can kind of have tangible around my hands that I can just, at least it's there. But worry and anxiety doesn't help us. doesn't bring about outcomes. just stresses us out. wreaks havoc on our relationships as well. But we tend to do that. We can't control. Maybe that's not the strategy, but we can at least worry about it. And over time, we just kind of stuff that worry, get anxious, and it just unravels. doesn't help us. Third strategy, there's a Job 8. I'm not going to read that, but it, it talks of... Actually, I will read it. Why not? Job 8, because it's actually helpful. Uh, Such are the paths of all who forget God. Job is, is a story in the scriptures of a man who experienced great trial and trouble. He was tested and in the, these tests, he experienced a lot about the power of God and, and how to rely on him in the moment. And this is an account where you have that choice to put your confidence in God or your confidence in yourself. And so such are the paths of all who forget God when they don't include him in their sol- solutions. It's a strategy. The hope of the godless shall perish. His confidence is severed and his trust is a spider's web. He leans against his house, but it does not stand. He lays hold of it, but it does not endure. So there's a picture of a power in yourself, which is like a spider web. Do we really want to like lean on a spider web? There's numerous reasons we wouldn't. One, it gets in your hair, right? You ever walk through a spider web? They're not sturdy because you walk through it and it's with you. And for the next three hours, you're just like, oh my gosh. There is something gnarly, and then you get that thought, like, what, it's buried in my hair? You guys ever think that? Is that just me? That freaks me out. Wow, you guys seemed like all asleep right there for a split second. I was like, I'm the only one that's ever thought that. But spiderwebs, they're not sturdy. They they break, they get on you. You're not going to lean on them. You're not going to build anything on a spiderweb. It just breaks. That's what it's saying. Your own strategy, it breaks. It doesn't work. It's a web that just is carried away with the wind. And then the third strategy, we put hope in things that have no real power to help us. These are called infomercials. You ever seen an infomercial and you think, like, this is the greatest thing that's going to give me the power I long for? It's going to save you time. It's going to get you to your fitness faster. You're going to get strength like you've never known. And so this power is what you long for. And so you invest like three easy payments of 1995. And at the end of it, you think like, what was I thinking? I don't have the power I need. I just wasted my money. But we look for something. There's just part of us. We just are looking for something that can give us the power we long for. What God is saying is, I'm the Almighty. You cannot rely on your own strategies. It's like a web which depletes and is no longer there. You have to rely on me. So here's why it matters for all of us today. First, we have to identify what are the things that we do in our longing for power and our longing for strength that take us away from the Lord God, that take us away from really us doing life His way. What are those strategies? You need to ask God to, to show you that. What are the things that I'm doing where I'm relying on myself? The second thing is, 
we should surrender to God's plan and, and his purpose. Knowing all this about his power, while it can invoke fear, again, because he's all loving, it actually gives us the sense of we can rely on God. He can help us in our life, in the details of it, in whatever we face. He can help us. That's the hope that we have. That's why it matters. But we have to surrender to it. We have to surrender to God to his plan and his purpose for us. Job 42, the same book I just read, goes on. It says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's Job speaking after all that he's encountered, all the trials and all the trouble. He proclaims to God, your power does not fail. Nothing can be done to deplete what you want to do for your own will, your own name, in your own purposes. So when we rely on God and lean on that power, it has an impact in the here and now. And I don't know about you, but I'm facing a lot of different circumstances where I need that kind of power. And God and His power, His purposes, cannot be thwarted. As I wrap up, I encourage you to think through just some next steps that you can take. Every week we talk about next steps. And that really is that, the idea of what can I do based on what I've heard today that can make an impact on my life after I leave this place? How can it make an impact in my relationships, in my work, the things I encounter? And so pull out your connection card that Ben had you fill out and you could finish filling that out. And on the back of it, there's some suggested next steps that I encourage you to take this week. The first is uh, you can memorize Job 42.2. Uh, that's actually the, the, the scripture I just read. Just a promise that God has that your, your purposes, they can't be thwarted. You will come through because you are God. So you may want to memorize that. The second is uh, ask God to show you any man-made strategies uh, you rely on instead of God's power. So I went through those three or maybe something else came up and you thought, you know, I really tend to do this. I tend to freak out. It takes me a long time to realize that I've been worrying. So just ask God to help you with that. And then the last is, take some time this week to, to praise and thank God for, for his love and power. As we talked about seeing creation and the awe that comes, there's a part of us as humans that as we encounter the power of God, it should actually lead us to taking a step back and saying, wow, God, you are good and you are powerful and you are almighty and nothing compares to you. That's why we sing songs a lot about who he is and what he's done because it is worthy of our praise because no one has the power to do what God does. So I encourage you to take some time this week uh, to do that. Now, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a song back to God. We're going to receive our offering. And then uh, I'm going to just say a few things uh, in honor, really to honor God of our one year anniversary. And then, uh, Senior pastor of Church in the Valley, Randy Lanthrop, is here. He's going to say a few things. And uh, we're going to then leave here after the service and go out to uh, the plaza. And I encourage you all to do that. And we're going to have cupcakes together. But before we do that, I encourage you to just take some time as we sing this song just to kind of reflect on his power, on God's power, and thank him for it. Let's pray together. God, we, we do stand in awe of you. Not because you can fully be even known, just 
we, we can't fully comprehend the power that you have because we are so dependent and we are really in need of power that you have. And, and God, I thank you that you are not distant and trying to hide from us, but you actually are God that can be known. And so I ask God, as, as we try to figure out the things that we're doing just to rely on ourselves instead of you, help us to see those. Help us to see the tendencies that we have. And in those moments, God, help us to trust in you. And we, we pray in faith that you will really help us to know that, that you will not rip us off, that you come through for us. And God, we want to please you. We don't want to do our own thing or rely on our own strategy. And so we ask for your help, Lord, that you will give us the power to accomplish your will in the here and now. And then it can actually be a blessing in our families, in our jobs, in all the different facets of our life. So we thank you, God, for this power that you actually use to be a blessing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. I want to transition into the party mode of the day. Okay, we got one ready. Um, so today, believe it or not, is our one year anniversary, like we've been saying. And I say believe it or not, because I keep thinking it's been a year. And some of the time you're like, it's been a year. Like, it's a lot of work. And other times you're like, was it just a year ago? I can't believe that. And so we really want to spend uh, just a little bit of time really honoring God uh, for what he has done uh, this past year uh, at Church in the Valley, Alhambra. And so, you know, a year and a month ago, uh, this didn't exist. And what you see is God's hand that is weaved through the relationships in this room, that's weaved through bringing all sorts of things together to allow us to actually be here uh, every week. And so ultimately, uh, we want to thank God. So I just want to start by giving God a hand for what he has done. The, re- the reason I, I say that is, you know, as you talk about the power of God, many times it's easy to just kind of look on the, the outside looking in. But as I look at this campus and what God's done there, that's the power of God. Because he has actually brought something into existence that didn't exist. And so even in that, through all the things that he's done, it's really his love and his power at work. That's how you can see it. And so we, we just thank him for his goodness, his faithfulness to us. He brought so many things together from us being able to be in here through the relationships that we networked through some people in our church that knew people and just how, how it all happened. And so I just thought uh, I would start by showing the video that we captured one year ago of our grand opening. And if you're here, you may see yourself on the video and say like, wow, I was there. And if you're not, you're like, wow, I wish I was because there's in and out. Um, we want to show this video so you can just see kind of where Church in the Valley Alhambra was one year ago. It's been really fun to see different guys step up, men and women joining in to make it all happen. Today we've got lots more going on than just the Sunday morning service and it's so cool to see um, just the different people putting it all together. We want to 
be a church where freedom reigns. We want to be a people full of grace. We want to be a shelter where the broken find their place. We want to be a refuge for the weak. We want to be a light for the world to see. We want to be a love that breaks the walls and fills the streets. All our welcome here as we are, as we are, for our God is near. Let your Very grateful for the crew in Diamond Bar who has adjusted, who stepped up and just taken on more responsibility and, and have been bearing a load there so that this campus could get launched. And overall, it looks like there's a real opportunity to continue to advance the kingdom of God and to do his work through uh, this campus here in Alhambra. So I'm very grateful to him. He's blessed. And uh, I'd appreciate it if you just continue to pray and ask God to, to work and draw people in and continue to build our congregation here in Alhambra. thought it'd be fun if you were have come to church in the valley since the grand opening which was february 17th could you please stand we'd like to see if you've come to church in the valley since the grand opening please stand don't be shy All right, let's give those guys a hand you guys can have a seat thank you guys uh, also we just wanted to acknowledge uh for us to be able to meet here on a sunday morning uh, there's many things that happen before service, after service, behind the scenes, during service. And I just wanted to acknowledge uh, the leaders of Church in the Valley uh, who have led teams this past year, who have led groups, our student ministry. If you've been a leader at Church in the Valley, uh, leading volunteers behind the scenes on a Sunday morning, uh, if you could please stand as well. Don't be shy. That's where, you know, that's where you know there's leaders because they're not here. They're actually doing stuff behind the scenes, right? You're like, where are they? They're actually helping us do what we've got to do. And so thank you, uh, just all the leaders that have made this happen. As you look at the video, uh, you can see this was us celebrating a day. Uh, but really, uh, we can't come up with a video that sees all that has happened uh, in the days and weeks following that day. And so that, those have been just countless stories of people who have come to church for the first time. Uh, people, people who've experienced uh, being in a group with people and, and just the encouragement that comes from that. And so uh, all the things that happen on a weekly basis as people are getting with people, as people are engaged in kind of God's plan for their life, that is really the hope of, of our church, is really us figuring out what God wants and cooperating with Him. And as we do that day by day, uh, we actually grow. And so I just wanted to thank uh, all the people who have really worked this past year uh, the beauty of church is 
If it was just one year and you're done, this would be easy and it wouldn't be quite the journey it is. But this is really just the beginning for what God has uh, for this campus. And so I just wanted to encourage all of you. Thank you for all that you've done. And we, we look forward to, to what is to come. Uh, at this time, I want to invite uh, the senior pastor, uh, Randy Lanthrop, up, who wanted to, to share a few year, uh, words with you. And then I'm going to give some instructions for enjoying the refreshments after. All right. Good morning. Um, I wanted to be here to celebrate uh, with everyone what, what God's done. Very grateful to him. Uh, for the way that, that he's been working. And the way it works is there's there's a group who gets it started, and then God keeps bringing people around, and he pulls some in to make it happen and make it continue to grow and move on. So as, as I look out, I uh, see the crew that God is putting together uh, here in Alhambra. Very grateful for what he's done and, and glad you're here. Let's pray and thank God for what he's done. Father, we thank you so much for... Uh, who you are, you are uh, loving and powerful and kind. And thank you, God, for letting us be a part of uh, seeing this campus started up here in Alhambra. Thank you for everyone that you've brought around who's, uh, who are members and attenders and who are helping out to do your work here. Uh, thank you for the privilege of sharing in, in your work. And I pray, God, your blessing on this campus and moving forward that you'd continue to give us wisdom and help and guidance as we seek to do your will and extend your purpose and kingdom here. We ask for your help in this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, Randy spoke.